My name is Lou Blazer, and you're listening to Second Breaks, a show where we talk about embracing our midlife and having a blast in this time of our life. We talk a lot about pivots and reinventions too, because often that's what many of us are having to do. Now, I am not an expert on midlife living, but I bring in varied voices to help us all figure out for ourselves what it takes to have a great experience in our middle years. Okie dokie, on to the show. Midlife is often the time when those of us who are over 45, we are evaluating our lives, figuring out what we want to do next, setting our sights for new horizons. And many of us are beginning to think about retirement or rather what we might want to do once we reach that typical retirement age. Now, if you're like me, the idea of slowing down and putting our feet up for the rest of our lives, not quite that appealing. (laughs) We want to continue to work, right? Perhaps not quite in the same industry or in the same field, but we want to be engaged with work, with something interesting, something that allows us to grow, that we find meaningful. And we're not interested in fading away or disappearing. We want to continue to be engaged citizens, contributing to our society. We want to continue to do and be part of something. Unretirement is a concept that our older siblings, the baby boomers, have thankfully ushered in. The boomers are the first generation who's really benefited from the medical advances and breakthroughs of the last century. They entered the second half of their lives strong and healthy and not that interested in retiring completely for the rest of their active lives. The boomers have redefined what post-retirement life looks like and they continue to show us what is possible for us. So for the next few weeks, starting with today's episode, I want to explore this topic of unretirement and look at it from different angles. We're going to look at options and opportunities. We're going to look at how we might plan our own unretirements. We're also going to look at stories of how others have gone about their post-career careers, as a good friend of mine calls it. Today, we're tackling the very front end of things. How do we plan for our post-career career, especially if we're not sure about what we want to do next? And quite frankly, those of us who have been working non-stop for 20 or more years may just be feeling plain tired, <laughs> burned out, and we just want, you know, goodness gracious, a break from it all before we can even begin thinking about what we want to do next. Enter the idea of a midlife gap year a concept that's not so dissimilar to the gap year that many high school graduates take before heading off to college. It's a break between life stages, as my guest today, Lisette Smith, explains. Lisette Smith is the Chief Operating Officer and a Senior Advisor at the Advisory Group of San Francisco, an independent financial advisory firm that manages over a billion dollars in assets. Lisette is a pioneer of the midlife gap year concept as part of the financial planning process. She wrote the educational guide, The Midlife Gap Year, How to Take a Break and Still Feel Financially Secure, to help others take a long-term view of their career and life fulfillment. And by the way, you can download that guide for free. You're going to find the link on the show notes at secondbreaks.com. 
in today's episode, we talk about how a midlife gap year can help us figure out our next act, if we want a new act. How to effectively use our gap year so that we don't end up simply wasting that valuable time and how we can creatively plan for it, especially as not all of us can afford to be away from work for a solid year. I've linked up additional resources on the show notes as well, so make sure you head on over to secondbreaks.com to dig in further into this topic and to download the Midlife Gap Year Guide. Okie dokie, let's get on with the show. Hello, Lisette. Welcome to Second Breaks. Thank you for having me. So since we're going to be talking about this idea of a midlife gap year today, I was wondering if maybe we can first start with uh, like, where did this idea come from? Like, how did it come about that you guys at the advisory group ended up advising your clients on taking a midlife gap year? We have clients in midlife. I'm a financial advisor. We have a lot of clients in midlife. And I certainly see the the pressures and kind of the, you know, the constraints they're under in, in terms of their time and trying to save and just all the things that come at you at once. And I happened to be at a financial advisor conference about two pre-COVID in Atlanta. And um, I saw a presentation by Laura Cartinson, who is from the Stanford Center on Longevity. And she was kind of making a, a more thorough research case about how, you know, longevity is really changing the pace of, of midlife and just the pace of life generally. And how people should plan for that and not just tap on all the years at the end, but to kind of pace yourself to have breaks along the way to plan for a longer work life where you take breaks, which, you know, it was kind of a light bulb moment thinking we should specifically help our clients do that because they would never you know, most of them would not really think to do that on their own or not think it's possible. Or, you know, a lot of people just think of retirement and just see that like end point at 65 or 67 now for Gen Xers and don't really think of it how it could, how it could be different. And, you know, even though she was approaching it from the academic side, I kind of thought, you know, if, if people do this, they're going to need some financial help around it, and they're going to need some planning around it. So that's where we could come in. Okay, so when I hear the phrase midlife gap year, I I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I automatically think it's a voluntary thing, like it's something that we plan for or choose to do in the middle of our career. I don't know, is that a fair thing to say it's a voluntary thing? Yeah, and there are, you know, there are some exceptions where people... Um, I know like during the Great Recession, so in, in 2009 or so, like people that were kind of forced out of their jobs or lost their jobs, but it wasn't really that they planned it, but it still was an opportunity for people in midlife or mid-career to kind of rethink things. It was just kind of forced upon them instead of it being a more um, mindful decision and a more, you know, a, a, a time for them to think of it. And so it just, it, it makes sense when you're looking at planning and, you know, the other reality is, as we look at this, you know, people in midlife often feel all these pressures. And when they would come to us for financial advice, a lot of it was focused on when can I retire early? Like, can I, 
can I, when will this end? Can I stop? I really, you know, first of all, the math on that for most people is really um, difficult, especially with longevity, the way it is and the way it's extending. It's hard to retire at 50 or 55 or even 60 for a lot of people. And especially if people are, you know, accustomed to a certain lifestyle. If um, the, the numbers, it, it works out that you're, you know, working for 35 years and retired for 35 years, which is hard to manage. So that was another thing to kind of give people who were looking at that option a different way to maybe achieve the same thing, to say like, hey, you can't, you know, retire and stop working entirely, but let's see what else we could do. Like, could you take a break? Do you really just need to revitalize and get a different perspective? Is that, is that really what you want and not too much to retire early? So when when people are taking a midlife gap year, what are they actually doing? Like, I ask that because, you know, if I would have done something like this when I was still in corporate America, I might have said that I'm taking a break to write a book or something like that. What are some of the things that you see people doing or that you've advised people to consider when they are planning for their gap year? Yeah, Um and I've heard you talk about this before, it could be just a matter of, you know, taking advantage to do some things that you're afraid you won't run out of time for, you know, if you're between 45 and 55, or your children might be getting older if you have children, or just like your opportunities to do some things that you really don't want to wait till you're retired to do, um, that might take more physical energy, even though we're hoping to, you know, stay vital longer. Um, but it just that you want to do while you still feel good. And well, you know, you don't want to take that for granted. So to take a break to do, you know, either a trip or just something to, to not regret it later that, you know, and it's not that it's ever too late to do things, but you know, some, there are better times than others sometimes. Actually, you said, I probably should have asked this question earlier, but just to kind of level set, you are using the phrase midlife gap year. Do you like really mean a literal year, like 12 months? Um, that's a really good, good point. I'm glad you asked that because when we were first putting it together and I, you know, as I said, it was pre-COVID and, and people's perspectives have really changed, you know, since then in terms of, you know, flexibility and, and just thinking a lot more, a lot differently about work and, and how you can work par- partly. But when, when we were coming up with the idea, first of all, you know, since it was kind of based a little bit on that Stanford research, and they really talk about taking breaks along the way, you know, year long breaks or, or, or significant breaks. Um, but that may not be um, what everyone needs or even, you know, what uh, what you want to do. You might be perfectly rejuvenated with a, a shorter break. And we really put it in that framework because, to, because it just seemed familiar, you know, in terms of like what high school kids do before they go off to college, sometimes they take a break in between. So it was a way to say, you know, no one needs a a break more than midlife, people in midlife, you know, a middle-aged person who hasn't looked at at a kid that's doing their midlife gap year and said, yeah, I 
that's not, that does seem good. And I wish I were doing it. So it was just kind of a more approachable maybe way to say it. But when we actually work with people, you know, it's really just a matter of, of thinking about taking any break at all or take, you know, what would you do if you had this time off and, and what would have to happen so that you felt secure enough to do it? Cause you don't want to do that and then be worried the whole time that you're, you know, derailing your career or your other plans. But it's kind of just the idea of, you know, what's the next step? Does my next step have to be just continuing on this path or can I do something and then maybe get back on this path? Or maybe it'll take me somewhere else. I am imagining that some people who are listening may be thinking, you know, sure, I'd love to take a gap year. That sounds like a great idea. But I, you know, I can't be away from work for that for a whole year. That's not possible. So I was wondering, is there a way to achieve the benefits of a midlife gap year for people who are not in a position to be away from work for that long? Yeah, because it doesn't, I mean, we see it as kind of on a spectrum, really, um, in terms of being away from your job. For most people, that is an important part of it, because that is kind of how you regroup and, and refresh. And usually, it, it, it's a matter of how much time it takes to plan. I mean, if you're a business owner, it may take more than a year to plan to really take some time off. But, you know, so it's not like, you know, you could, you would come to me now and say, you know, I want to take a year off starting in January. You know, how would I do that? Or, you know, the second half of the year, usually it does really take some planning. And I started to say, oh, for business owners, I think that's one of the more intriguing things because in a lot of ways, people's businesses are more valuable if someone else could do them or if they don't have to be, I mean, that's how business owners get burnt out. You know, they have their their dream job and they've wanted to work for themselves and they, they may have people working for them, but they still are, are very aligned with the business and very engrossed in the business. And so for them to extricate themselves does take some planning and means that someone else can cover for them, which is actually a very positive thing for the business. So we're kind of killing two birds with one stone on that because we're helping them build value into their business and also giving them you know, a little time off to, it, you know, and sometimes it, it comes back to really help their business. You know, they just get a different view of things um, than they had before. So it, I guess to your point, it, it could be, it could be a shorter time frame. but I really try to start at least with what would be the best for, you know, outcome. And if we have to pair back from there, because for some people it's, you know, could I take, could I work three days a week for the next year? Could I just get some breathing room? And what would happen, you know, if I only got paid 60% of what I'm getting, but could keep my job, would, would that be okay? Or, you know, I wouldn't be able to save. I'd have to spend some of my savings. Like what would happen? So it's very, it's very specific to the people. We're going to get back to the interview shortly. I just wanted to briefly mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. The Midlife Cues is a weekly digital publication for midlifers who are keen on making the most of their midlife. Every Sunday, we explore topics that help us live a joyful midlife. We talk about health and well-being. 
we talk about midlife mindset, one of the most important foundational things that we really need to master. We examine what growing bolder in our middle years mean for each of us individually, and we explore how we redefine success at work and in life. Give Midlife Cues a try by signing up for your free copy at midlifecues.com. Okie dokie, let's get back to the conversation. So when you're uh, working with your clients, helping their plan for their uh, gap year, do you get into what they might actually do while they're away? I ask this because I can very easily see myself like taking a gap year and then sort of like wasting the time, wasting my time, not having anything to show for it at the end of it. So like whatever it was that I was supposed to have been doing or exploring during the gap year just didn't get done. And so I was wondering, like, how do you help your clients? What do you advise them to do so that they actually get the uh, ROI on their gap year? That is a good point. And the way we approach that, I think, is very, you know, similar to how we approach the financial part of it, which is kind of outcome based, you know, like, what, what do you want to be different at the end of this period? And then what has to happen for you to do that? So it can't, to your point, I think, that's an excellent point. You know, I think some people approach it like, you know, I want that time off and I don't even really want to think about what I'll do. I'll just, I don't want to structure it. I think I'll I'll just see how it goes. And, you know, I, cause I have so much structure in my life now that that would be better. But I think the reality is you're more likely to end up as you just described, if, if you do that, because, you know, at the end, it is better to have, what do I want to have accomplished? And I think if you look at it in terms of a sabbatical, I think that's what is expected in a sabbatical that you will, you know, you will have thought about something or you would have uh, worked toward something, not work, but something else in your life that, that needed attention, whether it's family things or so. I mean, I wouldn't say we get into that as much as the financial aspect of it, but we certainly do have conversations because depending on what you want to do or how you want to structure it, it would affect the financial part. I think I mentioned to you, Lisette, that this episode is going to bookend or start a short series on unretirement. And I have been reading about how more and more people are not interested in full retirement anymore, like for some because they cannot afford to retire completely, they need to continue earning. And then for others, it's because they, you know, they do want to continue to be active. They do want to continue to to work. And I was wondering in your line of work, as you said earlier, you have clients who are in midlife. What are you seeing? Like, how are people approaching retirement these days? I'm glad you brought that up because it's really... Um, it's still a range of things. I think in any given week, this week, for example, I might talk to someone who says, I know I say I want to retire when I'm 60, but really I love to work and I, I am going to work, you know, I'll, I'll work until they let me. So I'll probably keep working. And I, I really love my job. I just get frustrated or, you know, and so there are people that no matter what, like really want to either stay at their job or, or, 
say, you know, in some, so more traditional work for even after retirement age, like they'll still be engaged in whatever their profession is. And, and a lot of people, you know, I think it, because if you're good at your job and, and there's certainly a lot of studies about happiness in retirement that kind of come down to people still feeling valued and still having a community. And for a lot of people, their work is a big part of their community and getting, you know, feedback from that. And just, you know, if they have a satisfying job, it, it would be a big loss. Um, but I also have people who say I don't want to do anything once I retire. But I, you know, don't worry about me. Kind of, I have plenty of things to fill my time. I won't. It won't be an adjustment for me. I, I'll be fine. But I think probably what you're getting at is kind of a more growing trend of people wanting to stay engaged, not wanting to keep the job they have. But wanting to stay engaged or pivot on a job, they, I mean, like you read, mentioned writing a book, you know, doing things that are, because what you have later in your life is experience, right? And so kind of using that um, to, to, you know, to kind of leverage that in something that would also bring them joy or, you know, make the, make the free time they have still valuable to them. You know, um, it's funny, I have a friend who ended up retiring in 2020. I mean, that was, that was always the plan. But of course, when the time came, it ended up to be right smack in, you know, the middle of the pandemic or year one of the pandemic. And he told me that, you know, he got tired of this idea of putting his feet up, playing golf <laughs> very quickly. Like, there's only so many times he could play golf or read books or relax. And he quickly realized how much we needed to be active or he needed to be active. And of course, the fact that we couldn't do much during the pandemic exacerbated that issue. And so I was wondering, are you seeing that also? And I, I think that whole first year and for people that retired in COVID, it's so different. Because um, it, it's such it, it is such an adjustment. And, you know, people may feel like they have pent up things that they want to do. Um, but even that, like by the end of the first year, you might have covered all that. So we really do. I mean, part of retirement planning is really talking to people about, you know, how they feel about it and what what their plans really are, not just for the first year, but for the, you know, the 20 years after that what that will what that will look like because it, it's a huge adjustment i think and you know correct me if if i'm wrong here lizette but i think gen xers may be needing a bit more of an adjustment period in the way that we think about retirement uh i have a suspicion that the generations that come after us will naturally think about their work life or or how they think about retirement a lot differently from how we, we think about it. I think for us Gen Xers, you know, we entered the workforce with an older concept of retirement. Like you work for 30 years or so continuously and then you retire. But now that we are there or we're nearing the age, that age of retirement, we find ourselves quite healthy and fit and not wanting that more traditional idea of retirement. So we're asking ourselves, okay, um, not quite ready to put my feet up. What's next for me? Yeah, and I think to 
to your point, the the health part of it is again like part of and not just Stanford, but the MIT H Lab, and there's a lot of academic research going into you know how people will live these longer lives and how to adjust for it. And, and in our case, we're kind of trying to adjust it adjust for it for people that are already in midstream of a different set of rules when they started out. So when they started out, it was very linear and, you know, what you described at the beginning, they were, you know, go to school and then work and then retire. And now there's a different set of rules, even for the people just starting out now, people that are starting work now don't intend to do that. They're, you know, doing one job for a few years and then doing something else. And, you know, it's much more flexible, but you're, you know, for Gen Xers or for people in midlife now, you're kind of stuck halfway in the rule change, I guess. And so we're we're trying to make it more more approachable for your, you know, to accomplish having the second half be part of those new rules. And and I was going to say too, like part of that academic research goes to um, healthier lifetimes, and even though. The longevity, I mean, it's pushing out a little bit, but not really as astronomically as it did kind of in the night in the 20th century. It, it expanded a lot more, but our healthier lifestyles are expanding and or our healthier lifespan is expanding. And that's kind of what we want to take advantage of. Like, you don't want to just tack on all your free years at the end of your life. You know, those will be healthier, but they're also healthier for working. So you could work longer because you'll, you know, when you look at a 65 year old, you know, in 1950 versus now, they, they really were at the end of their work life or their, you could put now that's very different. Absolutely. Uh, so Lisette, just to kind of wrap up our conversation here, you mentioned the Midlife Gap Year Guide. Is that available for everyone or only for your clients? No, you can get it from our website. You can download it. And it's it's really a workbook. It's kind of a guide. You know, I talked about different, the kind of spectrum of from kind of lower impact, I guess, time, time off vacations or, you know, staying home versus kind of the bust out, you know, really taking some time off maybe with your whole family and, and, and also like kind of some creative ways to finance things. And, you know, one of the ones we see most often is, is especially I, I live in the Bay area in San Francisco. And, you know, if you're going to travel, you could rent out your house while you're gone or do something that, you know, offsets the costs a little bit. And in homeschooling or road schooling, if you want to take your kids on the road, I mean, some of these are a little crimped by COVID, but some families have had enough of each other over COVID. Um, but I think that's what, you know, we thought originally, we were like, who's going to want to take time off when everyone's had this forced time off with their families. But even though it's a difficult change, I think it also made people think, you know, it shouldn't be such a work, work and life separate, you know, they kind of got used to blending the two and, you know, kind of want to do it more on their own terms now, not because they were forced to. So yeah, that guide has some ideas about, you know, how to, how to think about it, I guess, which is the first step to just be thinking, if I did have this time off, would it be life-changing for me? Is it something I could really benefit from? 
I want to thank Lizette Smith for sharing her experience and insights with us. You're going to find the link to the midlife gap year and additional resources plus highlights of this episode on the show notes at secondbreaks.com. Thank you, my dear listener friend, for joining me today. And if you like this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would share it with a friend or two. You know, word of mouth is still the best way to grow. And by mentioning this episode and this podcast to your friends, you're going to help me tremendously in reaching out to other midlifers who can benefit from the topics that we cover here on the podcast. I will be back with a new episode in our series on unretirement in a couple of weeks. Until then, keep on making your den, my friend. Cool beans. <music>